it's Danny, the X's and T podcast host. I am excited to welcome you guys back because I have a very special guest with us today. She is an author, she is a writer, and she is out here to spread an incredible message, which is our goal here at the X's and T podcast. Please welcome my guest, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Danny. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for reaching out. I was so shocked when I got your message. And I'm curious, how did you find the Access and Tea podcast? I found this for a podcast group on Facebook. I was uh, born, uh, you know, pretty much a typical uh, like early childhood. I uh, my I was my parents' first child, and I went to preschool. And they started to notice some things that were off about my development with teachers. And when I was in kindergarten. Um, they found out that I had a learning disability and my teacher noticed that I wasn't uh, developing the way that a lot of my other peers were developing. I struggled with math. I had difficulty with visual perception, eye hand coordination and those sort of things. And my parents recommended that I get uh, tested for having a learning disability. And sure enough, they found out I had a learning disability. And at the time, uh, learning disabilities were just an umbrella term. They, they really didn't uh, call them anything else. And then I can remember I had to repeat kindergarten the following year at a different school in our district. And I also began to receive specialty instruction. And school in the, in the beginning was really hard for me. I can remember struggling socially because I was an only child for so many years and was used to being around adults. And then I struggled academically with, with everything. And I remember being really frustrated. All I wanted to do was learn and be like my peers and be able to make my parents proud and happy, which they always were pr uh, proud of me. And finally, uh, the specialty instruction began to work. I started to be able to uh, be able to read at a regular level. Uh, I still struggled with reading comprehension. So I still did have some time where I was in learning support. But eventually the accommodations, they, they, they began to work and I got into uh, regular ed classes and um, that got a lot easier for me. Uh, socially, uh, it got a lot harder as I progressed throughout school. When you're, you know, when you're a kid and everything, it's a lot harder. Um, you, maybe you're just not invited to a birthday party or someone doesn't want to play with you on the playground. But as a teenager, it, it got a lot more difficult. Uh, it was just more that the, the peer groups became more defined. And I just really wondered where I fit in in all, in all of this. And uh, the big question was uh, I, what, what I was going to do after, uh, after high school, because I knew that I wanted to go to college, but I feared that I was doing really well in all my classes, but we just wondered, okay, how can I handle the college level work? And I even had some teachers who didn't think that I could do it. I had a teacher that said, well, I don't think you can handle um, going to college because of your math difficulties and suggested a trade school instead. So there was some real opposition with uh, things such as that. And I can just remember wanting to go, but still having that fear. But luckily I had some people who did mentor me. I had a student teacher that said, you know, you can go to college. You can, you can do that. You know how to study. You're a good, you know, you're a good student. And we decided that I was going to go to college and uh, we decided on a community college. We had a program that interested me and in, uh, disability accommodations. And right before I went in um, to go to college, I had to be retested for a learning disability again. And I'm not a great test taker. And I scored pretty low in a lot of my tests. And the psychiatrist that evaluated me put on my report, most likely won't go beyond a community college. 
And that was really discouraging to go into uh, a, a school. I was already scared enough as it was. And then when I got to uh, community college, I had a, an advisor that told me, well, your job choices are going to be limited because of your math disability. And there was, once again, my peers, they thought that I was getting a, an unfair advantage. So there was that stigma with using the, the accommodations. So I thought, okay, I'm not using accommodations. And that was not a really good thing. I uh, My grades dropped and it was really a struggle. And there were still people that were saying, well, you, could, you just need to try harder. And finally, I was in a class and I was really struggling. And I had a professor that said, why don't we at least get you extended test time? And when I did that, I was able to pass her class. I didn't do well in it. <laughs> and I was able to um, go and be able to graduate with my associate's degree. And I moved out on my own and I worked in some childcare centers. And it, it, having that independence was also really important to me with living on my own. I, I'm not able to drive because of my visual perception and, and the disability. So I was able to take myself places independently. And I was liking being on my own, but I always wanted more for myself. And I had to move back in with my parents for financial reasons. And that was hard. I mean, they live out in the country and just didn't have that independence. But I thought, all right, I think this is just time that I go back to school. And the job I was with was downsizing. And I found a program uh, at university that interested me, had the least amount of math and science possible and had disability accommodations. And when I went forward this back to school this time, I said, I'm going to use the accommodations. And when I did that and I advocated for myself, my grades improved. I was able to make dean's list for one semester. And that was something I never thought I could do. And I was able to graduate with my bachelor's degree in community programming for Americans with Disabilities. And after graduation, it took a while to find a job. I work as a paraeducator uh, in a school with students that have disabilities, and I find that re rewarding. And recently, I uh, began writing about having a learning disability. Writing has always been a healing thing for me. And I can remember having a friend tell me, you should really write about it. And I thought, well, that's a little personal. I don't know if I want to go there. And when I finally had that I wrote about my struggle with limited hand dexterity with opening up locks. I I got it published on The Mighty a few years ago, and that was one of the most healing things I ever did. And that just led to more articles getting published and starting my own blog called Michelle's Mission. That's amazing. <laughs> so did you always know that you wanted to work with children? Definitely. I always knew that I wanted to work with kids. Um, some people have thought, well, when did you become a teacher? And I just don't know if going through all the testing, it just didn't seem like it was a wise choice for me to, with all the vigors of, the, of that and not being a great test taker. But this kind of gives me that way to be able to go into a school and um, make a difference. That is incredible. It's such a good work knowing that you're going in and you're helping children and you're making a difference. I had mentioned to you previously that my son is in special education classes and people like you who are in these classrooms working with these children really do make such a difference for the children, for their parents, and I can't thank you enough for that. Um, on your website, you go through what you call learning disability salad, which is how you explain different types of learning disabilities, some of which I've never heard of before. So do you think we could go over that? Sure. So um, the most common one we hear of is dyslexia. A lot of people know that. So that's more of your reading-based disability where um, 
people just might have difficulty with reading and understanding things um, that, that are read. Uh, dyscalculia, uh, which I have, which is the math disability. A lot of people haven't heard of that one, but just it's trouble with numbers and um, difficulty with uh, directions, right and left. Uh, I'm not able to read the face of a clock and just numbers and I don't get along very well. Uh, there's dysgraphia and that's the, the handwriting. And sometimes people that have it just don't have messy handwriting, but they also have um, just, they're not able to express a lot of their ideas out on paper. Uh, there's auditory processing. That's somebody that they have difficulty with language. Instead of saying um, the, the baby is on the blanket, they'll say the blanket is on the baby. And that can just, that can sometimes just mean uh, different things. Uh, there's also executive functioning, which I do have, and that's just the CEO of your brain, uh, the, the information and trying to go through the step by step and the focus is off. Uh, there can there's also ADHD, which that can also affect someone's ability to pay attention. It's, and it's not always the kid that just is running around the classroom. It can also be one that might just uh, zone out and just not isn't able to uh, focus in. So there's a lot of different disabilities. And I that's what I tried to do with the salad, just because there's a lot of different salads out there. And a lot of people think, oh, uh, a salad, that's a hunk of lettuce and some cucumbers and some tomatoes. And people think this, but there's all kinds of different salads. And the same thing with learning disabilities. Sometimes people just think, oh, learning disability, that, that must be dyslexia. And there's a lot of different varieties. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can have multiple as well. And that was new mm -hmm. for me. Um, and as we had spoken before, I mentioned that I didn't know ADHD was considered a learning disability up until like this year, early last year. The difference is like, I had never heard of, like you had said, you said it's pronounced dyscalculia. Can you pronounce that one more time? For sure. Me? Sorry. That's either dyscalculia or dyscalculia. People pronounce it differently. <laughs> I had never heard of that. And then the dysgraphia as well. Mm -hmm. I had heard of um, auditory processing disorder. A friend of mine had recently gotten diagnosed as well, and she was kind of explaining it to me. And I find it all so fascinating, but I, I genuinely believe that I'm probably not the only one who really has no knowledge of these things or very limited knowledge. Um, so I really appreciate you going into, you know, each one just a little bit, but I definitely want to say if you want to, to hear, you know, learn more about these, I have to recommend Michelle's website. Um, at the end, I'll give you guys that link. I'll definitely post the link on my socials as well, because there's a lot of valuable information there. Going back to your diagnosis with your learning disability, mm -hmm. how old were you when you were diagnosed? I believe you mentioned it before. I believe I was either five or six, kindergarten age. What were your thoughts on your disability when you were young, when you kind of first received it and were growing into it? When I was really young, I, I was very blessed to have parents that explained things to me in simple age appropriate terms. They told me I had a learning disability and that my brain learned differently. And hearing that was really um, amazing because I thought that, okay, I couldn't learn. I wasn't smart. And a lot of my peers were telling me that too. So hearing the facts in a way that I can understand it uh, just it, it brought a lot of comfort to me and I love that you said that because you have I mean in just our last conversation you've taught mm -hmm. me so much so many things that um, I would love to carry on through my life with my children and, and that's explaining it in child appropriate terms I loved that and with your peers that were around you 
well, how did they react? Um, did they did they uh, know that you had a learning disability or um, what was their view of you? I went to a very small uh, school district and diversity really being different really wasn't something that a lot of people celebrated. Uh, if it was a close-knit community if you were one of them. So I couldn't hide. I couldn't blend in. People knew that I uh, went to learning support for help and I, they, I was often picked on a lot for that. A lot of times I thought, well, this isn't fair that you're getting the support or you must be getting all the answers or you're not really smart. So it was, it was hard. I don't think that a lot of them understood what a learning disability was. And the ones who did, I even got uh, teased a lot in the learning support classrooms because a lot of the students there uh, had more reading issues rather than math. So it, it that was really tough to know kind of where I fit in with a lot. That sounds really isolating, especially mm-hmm. in your own kind of community of people as well feeling ostracized I I can't even imagine and to see who you've bloomed into is fantastic because as a child did you know as a kid that you wanted to work with kids was that one of your biggest dreams as a child I I knew as a child maybe towards when I was a teenager even more that I knew that I wanted to work with kids in, in some capacity and I knew that I definitely wanted to write that was definitely something from the time I was really small but I knew I wanted to do writing I love writing. There's so many different mm-hmm. aspects to writing. They, it's it's an art form that can't be wrong. Did you find that empowering? Being able to write something and know that whatever you're writing, it there's so much value to it. De- definitely. I can remember my first story that I wrote. It was about a dinosaur. I had to be second or third grade. And my dad read it and said, hey, this is pretty good. And that really gave me a boost of self-esteem because I was before, I didn't think there was anything I was good at. Anything I seemed to try or what what I'm about to do, it just it didn't seem to work out a whole lot. So yeah, it and it gave me a voice. After a while, that gave me that voice to be able to say things that I really wanted to tell uh, um, other people, but I couldn't, or I was afraid, or I was just encouraged not to talk about. So that that gave me that voice that I needed. Wow. So as and and as you entered your teenage years. How did that look a little bit different? Um, I don't know if where you grew up, it was like middle school and high school, if there was a difference there and kind of what that transition looked like. Um, We did have a middle school and a high school. And I can just remember um, it got harder every year uh, socially. That was really difficult with with doing a lot of that. I um, really struggled uh, just because the peer groups became more defined. And I had a lot more isolation during that time with the ones I went to school with. And one of the things I did was I found a group outside of school that um, there were kids my own age. They went to a different school district nearby and they were involved with an art program. And I had acceptance. I had found people that had the same interest that I did. And they I was able to shed that reputation that I had since kindergarten as being the, the learning disability student or the not the one that wasn't very smart. And I did come around and, you know, I'd share that I did have a disability and they, most people were pretty accepting of that. Um, but that gave me the courage to even go out to other groups in the community. I, I still belong to a writing group and we've been meeting for over 20 years and still have the friendship with that. And that just gave me that boost and that, that, that acceptance. You found your people and you could really be Michelle. Exactly yes. who you are, which I love is your message and, and putting 
your accomplishments, everything that you are as a person first, which is, again, very inspirational. You had also mentioned this for for college as well. Um, For the accommodations, you said something that is so profound, and that is fair is not always equal. Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Sure. A lot of times we think People will say, well, that's not fair. You're getting disability accommodations. And uh, being fair isn't always the most equal thing. For example, somebody might need glasses, but we don't give glasses out to people who don't need them. And people don't say, well, that's not fair that I don't have glasses. And just sometimes we give people what they need, not what we think that everybody deserves, but it's what what people need to have to to be able to be a success. That makes a lot of sense. Is it fair to say that it kind of levels the playing ground a little bit? Definitely, because it levels that because if I don't use those accommodations, it's um, very difficult for me to be able to uh, do anything at school or to do things at uh, work or to be able to do uh, even just in the community. So it does level the playing field. So I'm able, so people with disabilities are able to participate and um, be able to in life just the, the same that somebody without them can. Yeah. That is a fantastic definition. The accommodations are so new to me. And now that I recognize that my own children do have these, it does level that playing ground for them because there are things that they struggle with, with ADHD, for example, Mm -hmm. like you had mentioned that the inability to sit still and needing that just little bit of extra time on a test that doesn't necessarily give them answers. It's just somebody who can't sit still that's extra time that they're taking to focus back on their desk when they're so fixated somewhere else. So the way that you explain it, I think is fantastic. And it makes a lot of sense. With those accommodations, I know that you had said as as a child that there was legislation that was passed for uh, Americans with disabilities. How did that change things as you've seen it from maybe when you were a child to now and how accommodations have changed for kids or anybody with disabilities. Sure. Well, I can remember being a young child watching this on television with, with the passing of it. And I would, I asked my dad, do, do you think this will impact me? And he said, well, I, I don't know. And originally this was passed to help a lot more people with physical disabilities be able to access in the community. What it has done though, has made a path for people, not just with physical, but other types of disabilities to be able to have that level playing field. If it wasn't for um, ADA, I wouldn't be um, able to go to college and have disability accommodations because I went to a a state school that received federal funding. So that's helped. Um, I also, now I can look back and they even have extended their services uh, to what they do for uh, accommodation. So I think that's great. And at, that was all made possible through the Americans with Disabilities Act was just providing those uh, services so we can uh, have that for all people who need them. That's a law, right? Like that is absolutely yeah. something that cannot be refused, correct? Correct. And there is a, a process if, it's, if it is violated, there there are things and there's definitely uh, uh, different cases that, you know, th- that will come up. But yes, it, it is a law that they have to accommodate. That's amazing. Because like you've mentioned, it is so necessary. And it's a good thing. It's a, mm-hmm. a fantastic thing. And it sounds like that, I mean, not just that specifically, mm-hmm. but it heavily impacted the way that you were able to go through school. When you were in like middle school, high school, did you have any teachers? I know that you said that you had teachers who told you that you couldn't, which was insane to me, but they are out there. And 
I, it makes me sad to think that somebody would ever tell anybody that they can't do something. But is, are there teachers that you remember who are like, no, you can, you can do this? Definitely. I can remember that student teacher that told me you can do college and because you're able to do that. I had some other teachers that I acknowledged that there would always be that difficulty with the math, but I could do it. And that just that that was always a blessing. And I can also remember I had a teacher that knew that I was really good with reading and public speaking. And he would always be encouraging me. Like I remember they were giving awards out for academics or something. And he said, Hey, why weren't you up there? And I said, Oh, I don't know. I'm not that smart or something. He goes, well, you should have got something for your writing or um, just things like that. So there were definitely um, a few teachers that were definitely encouraging to me. Was it the same in college? Once you entered college, are there professors that you can recall being just so inspirational and really helped you stay motivated? Definitely. I can remember when I was studying at university, especially I had professors in my department that I was studying that were always like, they knew I had a learning disability and they said, we're so glad you're here. You're really showing a lot of people um, what it is like to have a disability and that you can be successful. And they believed in me and they were always asking, do you want to talk? Or are you all right? Or are you understanding everything? And what can we do for you to, to help you out? So I, I always thought that those ones were encouraging. So what did it feel like for you, if you can recall, graduating college, finishing and being done and kind of facing adversity that you had been told through educators, through people that you had known mm -hmm. that you couldn't do it, and then you did it. I'm sorry. What did you ask? My apologies. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was asking, how did, how did it feel when you had accomplished college, especially with having educators okay. or people in your life telling you at some point that you couldn't, and then you, you did it. It was a feeling of pride, just feeling really happy and proud that I could do this and just feeling like I can do just about anything if I could do that, because I really didn't think that that was going to be a possibility for me. That's amazing. I can just picture just standing there and, and that sense of, like you said, pride, especially I, I get, I can't get over the fact that anyone would say that, but, and one thing I remember you saying is that you did not love the, the, the term overcoming. Um, right. Can you kind of explain that a little bit? Well, I think that I'm never going to overcoming overcome having a disability. I'm always going to have a learning disability, but what I can choose is to make good decisions on how I handle it and what my attitude is towards having one. Yeah. And and how do you view it now? I mean, as a child, I know that you said that um, your parents, they were very good at explaining it to you. Um, did you ever have a negative outlook? And then how did that change? I think that I did have a negative outlook when I first started out. I viewed the disability as a burden rather than a blessing. And now I view it as I, I've I now have pride. I've accepted that I have this disability. And um, while there might be times where it might be inconvenient, I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's amazing. And that is what I think my favorite part about your advocacy is, is that, and, and that was a huge lesson, even mm -hmm. for me, just learning, okay, not overcoming, but is it fair to say fate is facing adversity? Okay. To say, and, that is and how, yep. Okay. And in facing that adversity, um, were there moments in time where you were just struggling and how did you kind of pull yourself out of that? Maybe emotionally. I think what helped was definitely having friends and supportive family that was, yeah, just wonderful with that too. That was always something that really helped and just having that support. Yeah. And I can, I can think of times just when I'm sad 
calling up a good friend, like, Hey, I don't believe in myself today. I kind of need you to tell me like, Hey, please believe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> borrow was, your belief. Yeah, exactly. And so after college, what was your first couple of jobs? Like, well, how did your career start out and, and how did it blossom into what it is today? Um, the first couple of jobs that I had, um, after college, I, um, worked in an office for a while. I also worked at a number of different, uh, daycare centers and just had that experience with that. And, um, that just, that kind of opened up the door to getting me to where I need to be at uh, today in my life. What's your favorite part about working with kids? I love being able to make a difference in the lives of children. I just love that, that I sometimes I'll be working with a student and it's the beginning of the year and we're teaching them maybe how to organize their backpack or we're teaching them how to advocate for themselves. And it's a little rough in the beginning. They may not know how to do that and they're not sure about the process, but it's getting them to trust the process and just going through that. And um, by now at this point where we're, we're at the last uh, couple of weeks of school, they're able to take some of those skills and now I get to see that and um, they're, they're able to use them. Yeah, I bet that's incredible to see from the beginning of the school year until the end yeah. and really the growth that gets to happen and, and you get to be a part of that, which is so rewarding, I'm sure. With your career, mm -hmm. when did you decide you were going to start your blog and, and what did that look like? I decided to start my blog a few years ago and I just, I, I had the idea that I wanted to share a lot of my writing definitely, um, you know, disability articles and be able to do like metaphors. But I also like to share my photography because I'm not able to drive because of my disability. And I will um, take pictures of flowers and things that I see on my walk. And um, a lot of times that helps me to be able to pick up details that other people might miss. Um, sometimes I will have, uh, we'll be in the car and my husband will be driving and I'll, he'll, I'll say, did you see that? And he goes, no, I'm worried about the, I'm have my eyes on the road. Like I should be. <laughs> and I get that chance to go back and take that picture with them on a walk or I can't get a ride. And people say, wow, you bring out details that others might've missed. And I post a lot of those pictures on my blog as well. They're beautiful. Thank Every you. picture that you have on there is amazing. And that is so eye-opening because I can't even imagine how many things just in my day to day that I've missed mm -hmm. because just never had really the opportunity to kind of be that visual person. I'm going to be the passenger on my next yeah. road trip. Because <laughs> there's just things that people miss sometimes. And yeah, you get to be the passenger and yeah, and be able to pick up on that. Moving from your blog, you have started a, appearing on podcasts. And do you remember your first podcast experience? And what was that like? My first podcast experience was, um, a, well, I had a talk that I did on the mighty about learning disabilities. So that was already prepared, which was, which was great. I got that experience, but my very first podcast that I did, um, I had, it was with a, a host and we did a, a live show. So that was the very first one that I ever did. Other than that, I had a That's couple amazing. presentations and that was about it. Yeah. And it was, it a was a nice. show. <laughs> That's incredible. A live show that is nerve wracking. And that was your first experience. My very first one. Yes. And I just went with it. <laughs> and it yeah. went <laughs> no joke. I, I did. I watched your, the, the mighty, and that was amazing. I, I love every time that you speak, you're just so thorough and in depth and everything that you say, it, it really makes sense. And it's explained in a way that 
I think a lot of people understand. One thing that I know I struggled with, and some of my peers who have children um, in the same program is the, what do they call it? The jargon that's in like an IEP and not fully understanding those big words. I have no idea what some of those things mean. And I think having met you and going through your blog, I think even just that has really helped me understand some of the things I'm like, oh, okay, this makes it make sense. (laughs) Yeah, I try to put a lot of those terms in simple ways that people can understand them, but I try not to dumb people down either. I try to put them in ways that that people can understand. And I also use a metaphor to give that example as well, to combine another passion of mine, but with flowers or other forms of nature and things. Yeah, the metaphors are really what I think made it make sense for me. And Mm -hmm. conversation, I think Mm -hmm. that's such a great way to learn. I know that, you know, sitting in Zoom meetings and listening to somebody like a child psychologist or um, Mm -hmm. somebody just kind of, they they are fantastic. But I definitely know that people that I've spoken to, they learn so much more from just that conversation. And I know so many people are going to get value from everything that you have to say from your blog and from your previous podcast experiences. I will definitely find some and you guys check them out. This is something that I didn't know how to be an advocate kit for, if that makes sense. I know that as a mom yeah. with a child with a disability and, and another child with a learning disability, I want to be the best advocate, but I don't really know how. And how as a community, can we be supportive? I think one of the best ways is not to give up on your child. That's that's the first thing. My parents didn't give up on me. We, we had a lot of uh, tearful homework sessions and frustration, but um, they, they didn't give up on me and they always encouraged me, but they always pushed me to be the best that I could be and, and, and uh, to focus on what I could do. I think that's another thing. Focusing on strength is important. And I also think communication's big with the school and with other uh, professionals that, that are in the lives of, of your child. I had the chance to run into my very first learning support teacher uh, a few years ago. And I got the, that chance to thank her. And she said, you know, well, you put all the hard work in, but she goes, your mom and I communicated a lot with each other. If my mom had a concern, she would call the school. And if the school had a concern, she would call my teacher. And the two of them just worked on how, how to make this a good experience and to give me the best outcome. So I think it's that uh, collaboration and uh, communication with family and school and other professionals. Yeah. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And and I actually wanted to go back. I'm, I know that you mm-hmm. having supportive parents is one of your biggest like things that you said was a huge strength for you as a child. And I, I saw one of your blog posts. I think it was one of my favorites. And it said, don't limit me because of my disability. Could you kind of go into that a little bit? See, one of the things that was really hard with, with having a disability was a lot of times people would try to limit me. They would say, well, you have a learning disability. So that means you must not be able to learn or you have this uh, disability. So this is um, as far as you can go with, with school or as far as you can go with a job. And I always thought it was frustrating. It was almost as frustrating as the ones that looked at me and said, oh, you're normal. Nothing's wrong with you. Why can't you do it? It was also frustrating when I had people that said, well, you can't. And there's this, yeah. So I had to learn um, just where that limit was. Uh, there's definitely things that I can't do, but there's also things I can do. And it uh, was always just frustrating when people uh, just tried to uh, limit the potential that I had. Right, right. They kind of hear that one piece and that's mm-hmm. what sticks with them. And, and you had said before that, you were able to grow out of 
um, Michelle with the, the learning disability to just Michelle. And I think mm -hmm. that's so big to be able to treat people who have learning disabilities or disabilities of any types, treating them just like regular humans. And even though you might not be able to see it, you don't know what somebody's struggling with. And just to be able to treat them like they're everyday average people, they're just like me and you. And I never want my own children to look at somebody and see differences. I just want them to see humans. And that's what my favorite part about that don't limit me because of my disability, because you, it's not fair for us to put that on you. Right. No, exactly. It, it really isn't. It's to see me as, as, a, as a whole person, not just the, the person that has the learning disability. It's the learning disability is a part of me, but it's not my whole being. And to see people as a, as you know, a human being and uh, strengths and uh, weaknesses and just all of that, that goes into making any, uh, any person. Yeah. And so a little bit more about you. How did you get into photography? I um, can remember I was uh, on vacation and I start. I took some pictures in a graveyard of like some um, some angels. And there was a this was around Halloween and an art center I was involved with was doing a show for that. And I thought, okay, th this is kind of cool. And I had a friend that um, was really uh, picky about a lot of things. And she looked at my pictures and said, wow, these are really good. And I thought, oh, if I made her happy, <laughs> then these must be really good. And I entered them into a show and I think I, I can't remember what I placed at, but I, I did receive an award for them. So that just gave me that encouragement. I'm like, oh, okay. I have something else that I, I can do as well. No joke. That's amazing. A show. And was that your first show? Yes. My very first show. Yeah. And it was a small one, but it was still a nice, yeah, it was still, uh, got my foot in the door with having some shows and yeah. And have you continued to do shows since then? Yes. I've done uh, a few shows at the same art center, um, with them. I've also have done, uh, a few other places. I can remember we did an art auction to benefit a theater and one of my coworkers bought uh, some of my pictures. I thought that was really sweet. And I also, there was a, another local show and I um, received um, an, an award for that. And I even had, uh, I put online, I entered, I shortlisted on a contest uh, for independent work ready and I got those uh, pictures that one of them, they turned into a journal and wow. that was really neat. I, they, they gave me a copy of the journal to have. So I thought, I thought that was really amazing. Wow. And so is your blog the only place that you showcase your photos or is there anywhere else that we can find them? You can also find them. I have some pictures in Word Gathering Magazine. I also did uh, the Unmooring Journal. And uh, yeah, those are just some of the places that you can uh, uh, see some of those. Awesome. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm going to have to find them and I will link them. <laughs> I love photography. I, I don't know that I have the eye for it, but when people do, there's just such an admiration to it. Cause like you said, you know, you can capture things in an angle that others might not see. And that adds mm -hmm. so much value to other people, which is fantastic. And when you're not taking pictures and, and you're not advocating and you're not teaching, what are some of your hobbies? What are some things you like to do? My husband and I love to go to art museums. Uh, that's one of the things we like to see um, paintings and other forms of art. We also like to go to botanical gardens. That's definitely uh, something to um, see pictures of flowers. I also love to read and I, I, I love to write. What book are you reading right now? 
I am reading a book called uh, Brain Damage, I believe. And yeah, it is a book that is about a woman that she's in a coma, can't exactly remember how she got there. They think that she might be in a vegetative state, but she has some uh, more progress than they thought. And it, it kind of goes into um, what how, how she got there, because there are some things that, that happened that, that got her to that place. What a whirlwind of emotions, I'm sure. <laughs> like, this is interesting. <laughs> Again, I am so grateful that you had wanted to come on and and share your story. And if there's one thing that you can leave with people to know, to be aware of, what what would that be? What I would just love to um, tell people to do is if they have a disability, or even if they don't, is to know what they want to do and to be able to find a way to look for, um, be able to do it. And success may not come in the package that you originally expected, but sometimes it comes in something even better. Yeah. So where, Michelle, can we follow you and how can we support you on your journey? You can find me at uh, michellesmission.blog and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Perfect. And um, after this, I'll go ahead and grab those uh, two links and I will share them with you guys. So that way you guys can check her out on Instagram, follow along. And I am so grateful because I really hope that this adds value to you guys. I am definitely learning more and more how to be passionate about this topic, how to be the biggest advocate, because there's so much that we can still learn every single day. And again, making sure that every person is a human. And again, I don't know that anymore. I'll use the term overcoming. I now will find the accomplishments following trauma, accomplishments following these times in life that maybe find you uh, down. Thank you so much, Michelle. Really appreciate your time. Um, you guys can follow me on X's and T underscore podcast on Instagram, X's and T underscore podcast on TikTok. And you can catch me on Tuesdays and Fridays. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, Michelle. Bye. Thank you.